Jacob Quinn has won the national championship for the Quinnipiac Bobcats. The first in their history. The Bobcats have done it all. They slayed the dragon. The Bobcats are going to Hampton. National champions. The 2023 national champions are the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 10th Second Podcast. My name is Keith Woodward. The voice you just heard is Quinnipiac Bobcat Sports Network's Matt Mugno. That was the play-by-play of the goal that won the national championship game against the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers in Tampa Bay in April of 2023. This is a story of the 2023 Quinnipiac men's hockey team winning its first national championship. The program started in 1975, and we will get to that story in episode three. But before we get there, we need to tell you the story about how Rand Pecknold became the head coach of Quinnipiac College, which was a division three job at that time. So in addition to Rand, you're gonna be hearing from Bobby Lucarelli, who was a captain in 1994, and senior associate athletic director, Billy Mecca, and he starts things off right now. Kids show up, they got their bag, they put it in the dorms, and, you know, we get calls all the time from parents of kids they were living with about how smelly the rooms were because hockey gear smells. So you talk about a bare-bone operation. It was as bare-bones as you could possibly get. Jim Armstrong steps down, and now there's an opening. The challenge now with that opening is you have two former assistants, two former players in the Hall of Fame, and Billy Venaris and Mike Barrett. George Hines had played at Quinnipiac, was also an assistant under Armstrong, put his hat in the ring. So now you got really three Quinnipiac guys, but the favorites are Barrett and Venaris. And you get another resume. A young kid from Connecticut College, three-year assistant, story career at College, applies for the job at Rand Pecknell. Here's Rand's view on how it all unfolded. And so you have a degree in uh, economics and then a master's in teaching. Yes. And law school was somewhat on the horizon-ish? Yeah, no, yeah, I was, my plan when I left was to go to law school, but work for a few years. And I, I kind of was, I got out, I was in living in Boston with my buddies. We're having a good time, and I just kind of was floundering. I didn't really, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was saying I wanted to go to law school, and I guess I would have. But, and then randomly, I got a phone call from Coach Roberts, and he's like, "Hey, um, I can't remember. It's Craig something. Craig was his first name. I can't remember the last name of the assistant that was there. But it was supposed to be a two-year deal that you went in because you got your master's, and that's really, they didn't pay you a lot, so you're, the value of it was to get your master's, and it took two to do." And he quit after like four months. And this was like late January. It was, it was too late really for me to go in at that point. So I, I, was, I think I thought over for a day. I was like, sure. Uh, like I really didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I was like, all right. But I still, when I went to Connecticut College, it wasn't to be a hockey coach. I still had no inclination that that's what my career was going to be. It was more, um, I'll go. I'll do this. I'll study for the LSATs. I'll take them while I'm there. And then I'll go to law school after I do my two years with this. And I, you know, do I need a law degree and a master's? Probably not. But I, again, I just, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my life. So um, then I got there. I, I did the, um, 
I was like a week into the coaching or barely just going with the recruiting and going to games. And I was like, oh my God, I love this. Like I was made for this. Uh, so it didn't take me long to figure out that's what I wanted to do. Ixnay on the uh, LSATs. You, they, they were done. Yeah, I, I did take them. Oh, I did? took them. Oh, yeah, I took them. Um, but no but applications anywhere. I never applied. No. Okay. Trial lawyer? I mean, what were you thinking? I have no idea. No <laughs> idea. <laughs> okay. Um, and so after Connecticut College, uh, you're you're there for two years. And I did three. three I know. Years. I know. But yeah. you're there for two oh, years. Two, two years. Okay. I'll say, I see where you're going. Yeah, and gotcha. then you're going. You know what? I think I want to be a head coach. Yeah, and we can play the cricket sounder in the background because there weren't weren't many opportunities, no. right? Yeah, well, those not wouldn't be a head coach. I I just I knew, like you need to build your resume as an assistant. And I had been at Con College for two years. I did a really good job with the recruiting. We brought in a lot of very good players. Um, I had learned a lot. Coach Roberts was great. Like he let me do a ton. So, but I was like, all right, uh, doing a third or fourth year there, I'm not going to get anything more than after two. It was it would have been the same. So I was like, I got to move on and. Have I, as I've stated before, you've done your homework. Like I literally didn't get an interview. Um, it wasn't that I didn't get a job. I did not get an interview. So I was like, oh. So I had to kind of go back to coach with my, my tail between my legs. and Because he had already he brought another guy in to replace me because it was a two-year gig. I'm like, can I just be the volunteer here? <laughs> so I got a teaching job. Um, I think I was making like 14 grand teaching like at a, at a private little Catholic school. It was nothing. And uh, I had to grind it out. I had to referee games. I had to run a men's league. I was I was grinding, doing a lot of camps. I did not have a lot of money. I do remember I was pretty happy back in those days, though, <laughs> even though I didn't have any money. But stress was uh, probably a little low. Well, yeah. I mean, financially, there was some financial stress. Yeah, but was probably I, I think not it did much. all right, though. It's, I don't know how I survived on that, but <laughs> I, I found a way. And uh, at one point, you submit your resume to Quinnipiac University. I do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Actually, take a step back. Interesting story. I went, so that's this is after year three. Uh, Hobart has an opening. Um, I'll just say, we can look up the name of the head coach. I'll say it was Bill Greer was the head coach. And so he's, so I go out, I interview, and I'm just like, I, I need a job. Um, I need, I, I can't go back for a fourth year. I got to move on so I can build my resume. And um, I went and I interviewed with him. It was supposed to just be out and back. So, you, you know, it's D3. So you, you drive five hours, you have your interview, and then you drive five hours back, right? Um, I didn't have any money to stay in a hotel. So I thought the first day of the interview went great. And Bill's like, hey, um, I really want you to meet my AD. Can we put you up in a hotel tonight? And you meet with him in the morning. And I was like, oh, great. I mean, so I, right away, I'm like, well, I'm going to get the job, right? So I meet with the AD in the morning, whatever. And then a little time goes by. And then Bill calls me. And he's like, yeah, um, I'm going to go with a different guy. And uh, I was like just flabbergasted. I was like, I was exactly what they needed. They needed an aggressive recruiter. They needed players. I think they were like four and 25. They, they were bad for a while. And um, <clears throat> he's like, he, he's like, yeah, you're just, you're too aggressive. <laughs> and I was like, what? He goes, I think our personalities will clash. I'm really aggressive. And again, uh, I've never talked to Bill since that day he told me I'm not having the job. I have no <laughs> right, idea where right, he is right. now or right, what's right. going on with him. But right, right. I was like, I don't know how aggressive you are. You're four, you got four wins a year. You're going to lose your job here if you don't get somebody in to get some players for you. Anyway, so that happens. I don't get the job. Um, Hobart does not do well. And, and they, they actually, they won the national championship this year yeah. in three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched the game. Yeah, years later. Uh, but they did not do well with, with uh, the years after I didn't get the job. And eventually, Bill was relieved of duties. Um, I'm not bitter about it because it worked out great for me. But I, um, uh, so I go home, I go back, and I literally, that spring, I only got two interviews. The first was Hobart, which I didn't get. And I'm in panic mode because I'm like, am I, am I not going to get a job again? 
And then <clears throat> I just pick up the Hartford Current. I'm reading it, and I see in the little transactions, you know, uh, head coach Quinnipiac Jim Armstrong retires. So I'm like, oh, they need a coach. I knew I didn't do anything about Quinnipiac. We had played them at Con College, but I, we, it was always at home. We'd never played them on the road. I knew nothing about the school, nothing about the hockey team, nothing about the bad practice times they had, nothing. I just knew I needed a job. While Rand needed a job, the team needed a coach. Here's how Bobby Lucarelli, who was captain of the team, describes the interview process and his first experience with Rand Pecknell. The summer before Rand got here, there was really no recruiting done because Jim Armstrong had just retired and they were bringing in a new staff and there was no one to recruit. So uh, there really wasn't any recruiting immediately before Rand got here. You get what you get and you don't get upset? Correct. It's kind of one one of those? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So what was recruiting like back then? Or was there no such thing? Was there, what what was that? Yeah, so again, it was mostly local players, but um, I can remember when I got my first recruiting letter from Quinnipiac, for example, it was one of those form letters that was typed up and it said, dear, and then fill in the blank. So someone writing pen, dear Bob, um, and then signed it, coach. And and that's, that's pretty much how you got into the recruiting recruiting so you did you come to visit campus yeah so what happened was i was a local kid i grew up in east haven uh played high school hockey there and then i went away to prep school for a year to do a post-grad year and i knew i wanted to study business i wanted to play hockey so maybe the first month of school i went to the guidance counselor and um he's like hey you kind of live close to quinnipiac have you ever checked it out and it really wasn't on my radar because i thought it was too close to home so during one of the breaks, my dad took me here. We, we visited campus, fell in love with the campus immediately. And uh, I said, wait a minute, so I can go to school, stay close to home, play hockey, have the best of both worlds, live on campus, et cetera, et cetera. So that sold me the first visit here. And so you were playing for Jim Armstrong? I was for three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. And Division two, two, yes. right? So it's still Division two school at that mm-hmm. particular point. And... Your leadership must have shined through because you were captain as a junior. I was, yes. So what's that responsibility like? What do you recall about that responsibility? Um, Actually, it was pretty cool because I remember, you know, I think the team voted after when the sophomore, my sophomore year was just about to end. Um, So I was still pretty young at the time. And, um, you know, it was pretty cool to have juniors and seniors that were older than me vote for me when they could have voted for themselves or their friends. so the two senior captains with me that year as my junior year was uh, Sean um, Norton and Mike Gillum. So I think they did a pretty good job of uh, kind of putting me under their wing, and I f- kind of followed their lead a little bit the first year. And, um, you know, by the end I got a little more vocal and what have you. But, uh, yeah, it was good. I was, I was excited, obviously. Captaincy in sports, right, is one of those things that – the coach needs to have a very strong feeling about you and mm-hmm. that you can lead and you're not, you know, y- you are representative of what your team is. So sure. Hockey, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever sport it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what that's what coaches do. So obviously, Jim saw that. And then obviously a year later, uh, when Rand took over, uh, that was the case. But you were part of the interview process for Rand. I was. I was. So talk to us a little bit about... The selection, the interview process, how did all of that kind of go yeah. from your perspective? So my assumption is they posted the job. Resumes came in to uh, Burt Kahn, the athletic director at the time. And uh, I was part of the panel to sit in and interview the coaches. Um, so I got to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Got to ask the questions, listen to the answers. How um, many candidates, roughly? 
roughly six, eight, maybe that we actually interviewed. So yep. I don't know how many resumes were submitted. Uh, most of them were all local guys, you know, decorated resumes, state championships, all state honors as players. Some of the guys played here at Quinnipiac and um, here comes in Rand. This guy from Conn College. Uh, wasn't much older than I was. You never uh, heard of him before? Never heard of him before. Um, but, you know, what I liked about him in the interview was he came in with a plan, how to turn the program around, what he did for recruiting at Conn College, and how he was going to implement that program here at Quinnipiac. The interview process in 1994 is a lot different than what it is in current day. And if you don't believe me, just listen to Rand and Bobby Talk about the environment of the interview. So I applied, went down, and uh, ended up getting the job, and then, you know, we've gone from there. All right, so let's talk about the interview. Oh, my God. Okay, (laughs) because Bert Kahn is the athletic director. Yes. Bert Kahn's office was had a nice bathroom in it, but it also had a spittoon under his desk. Yes, yeah. And now, take me through the interview process. Like, it's you, Bert couple players yeah so i walk in his office and there was a bathroom but it wasn't a bathroom there was there was just file oh, file cabinets in the back yeah yeah, yeah, was, yeah 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 you could barely fit in there um and coach Khan had on uh i never i can visualize it now he had a inside out sweatshirt gray sweatshirt so it was inside out big chaw he was chewing tobacco he had big chaw stain down the front of the sweatshirt i'm in like a suit it's hot it was really hot there was no air conditioning i walk in I can, he's got a chair right across from him. I can barely fit in the chair. And then there's three players come in the end of the meeting. It was uh, Bobby Lucarelli. Um, oh, God, who was there? I think it was Dennis Mastriano and John Madison, I think, were the three. I don't think mm-hmm. Mark Rienda was in there. Um, I think it was those three. I'm not sure. I know Bobby Lucarelli. Yeah, Bobby was there. We talked about that. Yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, and so they can barely fit. And then Billy Mecca came in couldn't fit in the room so we sat out in the hallway in a chair and then um oh by the way coach Khan has his dog in the meeting also daisy uh was it daisy or dandy i think it was daisy i don't think it was sugar quite yet because i think sugar came after that oh was it daisy then i I thought it was dandy oh maybe it was dandy I don't know. I don't know. But I just remember, and that it was a Great Dane, or what was it? Giant. Yeah. It, yeah it, he had it was of, huge. Yeah. We had a big dog, and the dog giant. would follow him everywhere. Yeah. It was a puppy, though, or it was young. Yeah. Yeah. But it was giant. And he would jump all over me during the interview. And Coach Khan would just yell at him, Daisy or Dandy. I thought it was Dandy, whatever. Sit down, sit down. And the dog didn't listen to him. And so I'm holding the dog off with one hand, answering the questions. And then we got outside the interview, and the three players who were supposed to give me a tour were like, uh, Coach Peck, no, we're really sorry about that. I was, it was, and I was like, well, this is D3 <laughs> hockey, baby. you know. Um, but I guess I did okay in the interview because I got the job. But, a suit, uh, a dog, no air conditioning. Oh, my God. A bathroom that's not a bathroom. Yeah, and it, a guy was, with chew all over is wearing a sweatshirt up inside out. Sounds yeah. like you really wanted the job. Yeah, I needed a job. <laughs> I, needed, I needed a challenge. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. Um, but I needed to do something different. You know, I needed, I just, I felt I couldn't go back there for a fourth year. Um, not that I didn't love Connecticut College. I didn't love Doug Roberts. I mean, he's one of the best people I've missed, I've met in my life. Um, just a great person. But I needed, I needed more on my resume. Um, it wasn't even that I needed to go be a head coach. I would have gone and been assistant somewhere, but I had nothing. So I was like, when he offered to me, I took it. Bobby Lucarelli, who was captain of the team, who is a perfect candidate to be on the search committee to find the replacement to Jim Armstrong. At the time, I think Bert's ultimate plan was to 
widen the, the, the scope of the program and, and take it more from a local program to more, I don't want to say national or where it is now, but just make it a little more relevant. And um, Rand looked like or sounded like he was equipped to, to do that through the interview process. What is it that struck you about him? Yes, he had a plan. Yes, mm-hmm. he had you know ideas. But was there a presence about him? Was there a, a moment in the interview? And I, I recognize this is almost 30 years ago, mm-hmm. so you might not remember all those things. But was there a moment that you said, yeah, I think I could play for this guy? Yeah, it was. Um, I think it was just evident going through the process. And, and you're right. He, he carried himself really the same way 30 years ago that he does now. Um, and he's got that presence. And, you know, I mentioned to you before we, we went live here that uh, I spoke to him on the phone today. I still call him coach. I mean, he's not. You know, maybe he's a few years older than I am, and we're really good friends, and our families are friends. Um, but it's still that respect where um, I still call him coach. Yep, to this day. Yeah, just a funny story about the uh, the interview process. Sure, sure, yeah. So um, we were at the old gym, and at that time, I think they were building the the kind of the track. And, yeah, the recreation and the center. Room over yep. there, the recreation center. And uh, Bert Kahn had this office at the top of the stairs. All cinder blocks. I don't think there was any air conditioning in there at all. And uh, God rest his soul, but Bert liked to chew tobacco. And he had a dog, a golden retriever that he that he loved. He had a spittoon under he his did. desk. He did. Which, like, it's hard to envision from a, from our listeners just to go, you had a guy who was the athletic director who always had chew in his mouth. Always. And when you sat in his office, he would lean over mm-hmm. and spit it out Correct. into the trash can Correct. underneath his and office. And he would sit there with tobacco um, <laughs> clippings all over his chest, <laughs> drippings on his face. Um, right, he had the, like the reddish the brown yes. around his mouth. Correct. Yes, Correct. that was so, the athletic So character. when going through these interviews, you know, I've got a suit on and, you know, he, he's there with um, Jim Shorts and a, and a t-shirt on uh, with the tobacco in his mouth and his golden retriever, Daisy, jumping all over him throughout the entire interview, licking his face, <laughs> everything. And you got these guys coming in to interview for a position. They're wearing suits. They're very well dressed. They've got their, their folders with their questions. And uh, they're dealing with chewing tobacco and Daisy, the golden <laughs> retriever, um, jumping all over the athletic director during the interview. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, talk classic. about, right? Like, never happened today, never. right? Never. Ne- I mean, forget it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a thought. Never. He called me the next day, offered to me, it was $7,000 part-time, obviously. $300 reduction when yeah. you get the contract. And then when I got the contract, like, like he's like, uh, when do you want to come in? For con-? I'm like, I'll be there tomorrow. Like, I want to sign it to make sure I was in, right? And I went in and I got the contract. It was 6700 bucks. And I was like, uh, what? You- I just lost $300. And I, I, didn't even, I didn't say a word. I didn't say a peep. I signed it. Gave it right back to him. Didn't mention a word to him. I don't know what happened. Who made the mistake? If it was a mistake, if it wasn't, I don't know. And then uh, I was good to go. And Coach Khan's like, let's go to lunch. And we went to um, uh, Red Lobster. Oh, Red Lobster. Okay. <laughs> Damn, he used to go to the Glove Lobster. Oh, wait. Did we go to Red Lobster or Olive Garden? They're right next to each I don't know. Whatever. We went to lunch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was, was good to go. I was off and running. So Rand makes it through the interview process, including the dog, obviously. Billy Mecca can tell you exactly how the final decision came to choose Rand. You sit through the interview process, and as you talk to the candidates, clearly Mike Barrett had positioned himself with his relationship with Jim Armstrong that he was going to be the next head coach of the Quinnipiac men's ice hockey program. Unfortunately for Mike and Bill Van Harris, Bert Kahn didn't 
want to hurt either one of those former players. By picking one over the other? Picking one over the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, he couldn't stay in the family because he would technically end a relationship with the other. He took a shot on a guy because he was the last man standing. And that's how Rand got hired. That hire worked out pretty well. Rand has 615 wins in a national championship to start the 2023-24 hockey season. Thanks for joining us on episode one, and thanks to Billy Mecca, Bobby Lucarelli, and of course, Rand Pecknold. We have lots more to get to, and up next, you're gonna hear from the players and their original stories. To get you started, here's how CJ McGee landed at Konopiak. I eventually came on a visit in November. At the end of my visit, I was just like, oh yeah, this is it, I'm done. There's nowhere else I would want to be. And then I told him like at the end of the visit that night that I would want to come here, and that was it. Thanks to Rand Pecknold, Billy Mecca, and Bobby Lucarelli for coming on and telling their story. Our production crew is Justin Morosky, who was our producer and audio engineer. David DeRoche handled the audio mastering. Jillian Catalano is our social media coordinator. I'm Keith Woodward, and I'm your host. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 10th second, and also follow the podcast account at QU Podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on this episode.